I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. All right, we have something special in the studio for today's episode of The Breakfast Translation. And it's on fire. It's on, it is on fire. Uh, don't nobody call anybody. We've got it under control. But uh, I was going through Target the other day, which is not a sponsor. We're actually brought to you by South Park Church not Target, but <laughs> I was going through Target and uh, they have these breakfast scented candles, not just breakfast, but like breakfast cereals. Like give us some examples. What's your favorite cereal? Lucky Charms. Well, they have a, <laughs> one like that, but they also have, we'll, what I think we'll do is like every episode for a little while, we'll light one of these candles and decide if it smells like it's supposed to smell. Uh, but they have Honey Nut Cheerios, Cocoa Puffs, all the, your classic pure sugar cereals. Mm -hmm. They've got a candle for everything, don't they? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I don't know, do you, are you a candle person? I am. Okay. Do you have a favorite like flavor spectrum that you enjoy? I like the warmer smells, I'd okay. say. And um, whatever is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't love floral. Mm. Like I like real flower smell. But candle floral, it's not my favorite. Yeah, I definitely do the ones that smell like something yummy was just baked in the house. Oh, yeah. The vanilla or the cinnamon. Yeah, I had a cinnamon apple one that every time I would light it, I would just want cider yes, right away because right. it smelled so close to that. So we have a Lucky Charms candle. What's on a scale of one to 10, how much do you think it smells like a real Lucky Charms bowl? Well, first, yeah. let's back up. Okay. What's your experience with Lucky Charms? Do you have a lot of Lucky Charms? Was that a favorite for you? Yes, Lucky Charms is hands down my favorite. I unapologetically would eat all of the marshmallow out of the family. Okay, so that's Lucky your Charms method box, yes. is to eat all the the marshmallows. Yes, I, I would do like maybe three marshmallows for every boring <laughs> for every piece. The pellets, yes. the grain pellets. So I still appreciated are... <laughs> their existence, but I thought the ratio was off. <laughs> okay, we have a different approach. I, I'm more mature. Mm. I feel like I would want one marshmallow to every three grainy uh, pellets. Okay, so it's about right, probably. Yeah. Um, but I did have I did have a college roommate who every time anybody would buy Lucky Charms, she would eat all the marshmallows out of the whole, like the whole box at once. Like not her <laughs> yeah. box, but somebody yeah. else's. Okay. That was the the real violation was the property okay. violation. That not was her the, big her big tragic not flaw. the serial technique. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? How accurate? Since you are a connoisseur of particularly the marshmallow section yes. of the Lucky Charms. My, I had, I did not have any expectations for what I was going into. I do think that I can tell that what they're trying to do is Lucky Charms. But I think if I was blindfolded and I sniffed it and I and was asked what they were trying to do without knowing it was serial themed. Yeah. If you were at a, a lineup at the police station. Yes. And they said, <laughs> what scent is this fun themed candle? Yeah. You don't know. We've if all get been there. there. Yeah. It definitely, I think it definitely carries through the, the sweetness, the sugary, like you said, the marshmallow flavor comes through, I think. Um, I, I would, I would, I, but I feel like it would make me hungry. That's mm. the danger I think with um, like the every time themes. I get like a cookie one or like a caramel 
I want to taste the thing that I'm smelling. Yes. I do the same thing with cooking shows. I don't, I usually yeah. stray away from them unless I have, if, unless I'm eating something yummy too. <laughs> yeah. It becomes that thing where like, you know, when you're a little kid and you had chapstick that was like strawberry and you were like, and you eat it this time it will be delicious. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So not that I would eat the candle, but I would think for a few seconds about eating the candle. So that's okay. That's the We're danger. Human. That's the danger of the, but it is I'm kind sure of fun. That's also the intention. I bet yeah. Lucky Charms is thinking maybe. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. If we make people like, if we get this into their nostrils, they will. Right. Next time they're at the grocery store, they'll probably throw a box in there, in their cart. That's fine. Propaganda. If we're going to have propaganda, I'm fine with that kind. Eat more cereal. Yeah. More cereal. Any, we haven't talked about, uh, you know, we, we did our first episode. Uh, this is our first recording session back. Any breakfast updates? You know, I have been throwing it back with my breakfast. I've been doing a nostalgic breakfast. Did you ever eat the oatmeal that had dinosaur eggs nope. in it? <laughs> Not an oatmeal no. person. <laughs> oh, it was my favorite way. It was my the way my parents got me to eat oats when I was younger. They have this um, oatmeal, and I'm pretty sure it's just straight up Quaker. But when it's um, raw, I suppose, before it gets uh-huh. wet and heated up, yeah. <laughs> it has dinosaur eggs. And then after you cook it, the eggs essentially hatch into little candy dinosaurs that are in oh. your um, oatmeal. So I've been doing that, <laughs> embarrassingly enough, almost every morning for quite a while. And does that, does that increase your joy? Yeah, it to does. To have the little dinosaur pellets transform before your eyes? It does. Yeah. I really thought, and it increases my joy because it was one of those things that I thought was um, not a thing anymore. Yeah. I thought it was a thing of the past. And yeah. then I saw it at the grocery store and I couldn't believe that they were still around. I like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what, that's what like donuts are to me sometimes. Cause I don't, you know, thoroughly enjoy eating a donut, but there's something about kiddom that, that that they remind me of. Yeah. I feel like my breakfast update is that I've been doing a lot of like, um, cereal for like a late night snack. Oh yes. That has become my fantastic practice. I, for some reason, I just started moving away from cereal in the morning, but I still do that special K chocolatey delight, but late night. Late at night. Yeah. Oh, what a fun way to close the yeah. night. It is a good. I do. I do. So I do the same thing. I have my, um, if I want breakfast or if I want cereal in the morning, I have my honey nut Cheerios. And if I want them at night, it's frosted. <laughs> got the, got the late the, night, the night flavor. Yeah. That needs to be like, they need to capitalize on that. I mean, I don't know if we should even put this idea out there because I bet. I can edit that out. Yeah. Months from now, we're going to see Midnight Cheerios mm-hmm. popping up because they have every kind of Cheerio. Do they have a chocolatey one? They do have a chocolate. Yeah. They do. But I bet Midnight Cheerios. That's a new market a for them. Yeah. Who do we call? I don't know. I'm sure whoever <laughs> makes Cheerios, Cheerio. they'll listen to our podcast. I'm sure. <laughs> we have a wide reach. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we'll get there. Um all right. So we're this season, we're taking on uh, the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament. We're, we're kind of going backwards in time. And we talked in our first episode of this season, how a lot of these stories, especially in the early days, we're dealing with these, the earliest days of humans. And so we're talking about the, some of the earliest recorded stories. And because they're so ancient, uh, it's left a lot of room for interpretation of whether or not the intention of these stories was to give factual accounts or whether it's to to tell the stories that had meaning that had become when we say myth, like myth does not mean not true. Myth means holds a meaning that's even deeper than the literal story. Right. So um, I think that's important to say here when we talk about 
Adam and Eve? Like, was it a note for note scientific account of the early days of the earth? Or is it a, a story that's meant to tell us the meaning of what it is to be people? Um, and it could be one or both of those things. And faithful people have come to different conclusions about that. So when we talk about Noah, you know, we live in the shadows of the Noah's Ark. Have you been to the Noah's Ark? Yeah, uh, a couple times. You have? Could you tell <laughs> us a little you? bit about it? I have not. I have um, not been there. So the Ark, it's in located in Kentucky. And it's this huge, um, almost, the idea is that it's an, a, an exact potential replica yeah because there are dimensions right that's the the more you get into the story with adam and eve we don't have as much like specific detail but with noah you do get god basically laying out the dimensions right and that's in the story yep and inside of the ark you can go through it and they created a museum out of trying to um like legitimize the the historical origins of noah's ark so there's all kinds of signs and equations of how many animals could fit per per um cage and yeah. it's pretty um i mean it there is money in it like they, it is robust <laughs> yeah did you i did not click on the longer read of this so i only saw the headline that it recently had flood damage no way <laughs> no way <laughs> they're having to deal with some uh, insurance settlements because there was actual flood damage no at the ark way. which I mean, that's poetry. That's fun. You can argue about a lot of different things, but that's pretty, that's pretty poetic. That's fun. Um, what I love, we're not going to settle here today. Our intention is not to settle if every account is a note for note account or if it's that, that meaningful, more than literal kind of mythic story. But we want to take it on as a narrative, right? What does it tell us as a story? What is, mm-hmm. what is it trying to convince us? Why has this lasted so long as a story that people tell and retell? over and over again. Cause that you can't really argue with that. Nope. It's stuck. Yeah. That this is people retold it. They rewrote it. Um, I think that's especially true with this Noah story. Cause it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's everywhere. Even like stories of floods are kind of all over culture and history. And there've been a lot of people who, whether or not they're Bible believers, whole, you know, we know that there are these cataclysmic moments in creation that, do like a redo for, for, um, environments. And this seems to be one of those moments. Uh, it is a, a delicate story is the word I would kind of use for it today. Right. Um, let's think about how did you first learn about, do you remember first learning about Noah's Ark story? I you think there's a coloring book involved. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we want to say a quick thing cause Frederick Buechner is somebody that I quote a lot on this podcast or I reference a lot. Uh, he passed away uh, recently, and I think he had lived a good, long life. Um, he was beloved by, like, church folk, but also literary folk. So he got written up in all the Christian Christian magazines, but also New York Times did a story about his, uh, his legacy um, last week. But I remember him talking about how funny it is that we, we decorate kids' nurseries in the Noah's Ark theme. <laughs> There are animals in it. Yeah. A lot of animals die in right. it. <laughs> Most of the animals don't survive the story. Right. And it's also, it starts with this, this very like interesting line about God being almost sad to have made humans because, you know, the last time we check in on them, we have Adam and Eve and their family takes a tragic turn. And then we have generations of people populating the earth. And then we get to Noah's story 
And it's been like a more people, more problems kind of a situation. Um, and so there's very, that's why I say, I think it's a, think of it as a delicate story. Cause even the theology of this story, um, it reflects a God who, whether or not this God knew that this would how is how it would all go. Um, the storytellers describe a God who looks at the world and is sad and re- has some regret. Um, and we don't quite know what to do with a God who has regret, mm-hmm. you know, or who wonders if humans were the right call. <laughs> Should the world have just been fish? I know. You know? Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Should the world have just been animals? Maybe right. they should have been left to. Um, but I've always loved that line from Frederick Buechner. What a funny way to decorate a child's nursery. Um, because I grew up with the song. Did you learn the, I don't know what the actual song is called, but the Lord told Noah, there's going to be a floody floody and you got to build an archy archy and you got to get those animals out of the muddy muddy. <laughs> Do you know that's that song? No, but I want, I want more. <laughs> <laughs> Children of the Lord. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. And, but I just, it, it, it's a very fun song. Um, and it plays with the, the animals going by twosie twosies, yep. you know, and because there is all this, you know, this, you know, the story is that God's going to wipe out the humans. God's going to wipe out the creation. God invites Noah to be a part of a rescue mission to build an ark that can withstand the waters and then to put every uh, species on the boat and save them. Um, but everybody else doesn't survive the story. Uh, there've been, this is such a captivating idea and story that there've been some movies made about it. Uh, did you, have you seen the, so we, we were talking about the Steve Carell one. Yes. The, I've seen the Steve Carell. I couldn't give you a play by play, but I just yeah. remember it being ridiculous and funny. Yeah. And the idea is modern, modern yeah. Steve Carell or whoever he plays. Evan Almighty yes, is the name I, of it. Oh, yeah. Duh, that's the name and that's his yeah. character. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I think that story really captures one thing it captures is that Noah would have looked foolish. Yes. You know, like, I think that really captures that part of the story. And I think as a kid, in addition to the animal part, that was the part I feel like got emphasized to me was that the faith it would have taken for Noah to look at a summer sky and a dry land and build a boat for water. Right. Um, I also there's also been the Noah movie by Darren Aronofsky. That was like the weird one. Do you know that one? Yes, you have faint I memories barely, of yes, it. Yeah. Faint memories. Something about um, rock people brought me back. <laughs> yes. So one part of this story, it's such a funny story because it's one that people fight about a lot with the what's, and we've talked about that even with the Adam and Eve story, how it's one of the most fought about. And I think Noah would be right up there in the most fought about stories because um, there are people who put a lot of faith into that, that this it all really had there are, you know, there's archeology span built around trying to, to validify the story. Um, but I always think there's a couple things that you still have to deal with. One is that idea that God is sad. The idea that God wipes people out. You have to, that at least raises some questions for most people's theology, but there's also this strange reference to the Nephilim. It talks about how there are these sons of God, uh, who are having sex with the daughters of men. And they're called the Nephilim and Darren Aronofsky. I mean, his movie is already this kind of wild interpretation of the story, which, you know, he's a super indie creative weirdo filmmaker, but he kind of makes these people into rock people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of it more as like, like 
it almost sounds like Marvel Universe. Right. The demigods. Super, superhumans or something. But I always think if you want this to be like a word for word literal account and you want the, you build the ark, I don't know what they say about the Nephilim. I don't remember at if the that museum. was one of the... <laughs> but I feel like that's a strange passage um, to wrestle with. Like, And that is, that is like our hint that this is an ancient story um, that has been through a lot of stages to get to us. And that I think that invites us to some humility in talking about it. Um, so, but let's, we, because of our purposes here, uh, when you think about the story of Noah... Anything you think of him, what would he have for breakfast from what we know about him? I know what comes to mind is, uh, I don't know. He is listed as righteous. He's on this incredible mission to build an ark really fast. Um, So I imagine him being pretty dedicated to that mission, um, eating granola bars in the morning. No time for dinosaur eggs. Right, no time. I don't no, think he's got any time for that. can't wait for it to heat up. Yeah. You can't stir. He's maybe like the dry granola. Yeah. Have you ever seen monsters who eat that? Monsters? Well, I call them monsters. Oh, they're monsters. Yeah. Yes, like yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah. They're not real monsters. They're mm-hmm. just humans yes. who make the choice to eat dry granola. Yeah. And I, I just think to myself, what are you what are you doing to yourself? Yeah. He is described to us as righteous and, and blameless. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to think, is there some kind of like righteous breakfast like locally sourced eggs Mm, oh like he's committed to the community and yeah well and after being on the maybe there's like pre-boat trip and post-boat trip how would he you know did he think of his animals any differently Mm -hmm. you know or did he think of food sources any differently on the other side of of that experience because we do know that on the other side of the ark that's why this is also such a a delicate story is that he is not a superhuman. He's not like the Nephilim. Nah, he has faults. He's a very human person, right? And so he is this righteous, he's described as righteous and blameless, but not too long after there's this beautiful moment where they send a bird out to find dry land and they realize the flooding is done. Um, and he has spent his family kind of settle into a space to make, to, to start over. Um, and there's this moment where he drinks too much. And yeah, there's a vineyard that he grows. Yeah. I've always played with that as like that he was doing like some quality control on the vineyard. <laughs> and he just, <laughs> and he just was wandering before for too he long. knew it. He was four glasses down. And um, but I always think that story, it's hard to know how much we can project like our understanding of the human experience onto these ancient stories. But there's so many things they go through that we now understand as trauma. Yes. So for Noah and his family, they've lost everybody. Like even these people who were maybe their neighbors who were not righteous and blameless, who were maybe out carousing and um, getting drunk all the time or, or violating each other or not living in fair, kind ways. They still lost everything they knew. They, they still had their whole world they knew wiped out and... And Noah is bearing the weight of, I'm the one you saved. So I look at that story of him drinking too much and think, it makes total sense mm-hmm. to me <laughs> from He's a, coping. just from a story perspective. And even like that, the, I would think it would be almost crushing to think that you're the person who survived, right? Mm-hmm. That survivor's guilt thing that people talk about. Um, if you survive something that devastates everybody else, 
Um, that you knew you knew it was coming and you couldn't save everybody. Yeah. So I have to feel like he some part of him has to be processing that he's he's grieving the world as he knew it. And maybe even himself has he has he knew it. Um, so there's also there's some tangled things about the, the Noah story. Like it's it's tangled up in. Uh, when you think about if if all of humans come from this one source or this one family, this one story, um, people have done some things because to talk about why do we have different races? Why do we have different ethnicities? And sometimes the Noah story gets talked about that because his, I think it's Ham, his son, who sees his nakedness and it talks about him being cursed. And so some people have tied that to there being different races. Oh. They try to like answer the riddle that maybe Noah's kids rep had different skin tones and mm. that's why the human population is diverse. Uh, it's, it's just kind of trying to make um, order out of the story. Yeah. Sometimes I think to like find answers that were not given. Um, but any, anything you see in Noah's story, like when you think about, I don't know if it's the Steve Carell version or the weird Noah, like, why do we keep, why do you think we go back to this story? What's inspiring to us about it? Why do you think this story lives on in nurseries and movies and songs? And Well, I think, I, I don't know. I feel like we love the idea of starting fresh. Okay. And I know that it's such a radical version of starting over, but I feel like it's easy for us to recognize that continuously in our world. I feel like maybe for I feel like everybody always thinks, oh, this has got to be, this is chaos. I live in chaos right now. Yeah. You don't necessarily want everyone to die, but you, maybe there's something refreshing about the idea of, and, a do -over. and what if we got a do-over? Exactly. Yeah. I think we'd, we'd love that um, possibility in, in all kinds of different ways. I was thinking about um, that at least one of the things that I'm challenged by the story is that Noah's family they're almost forced into this, but God must have maybe sensed something in them because um, Noah and his family are called to be, and again, this might be projecting too much of our understanding about the world, but I've, do you know the idea of the non-anxious presence? No. I learned it in like family systems theory that, uh, and I heard it described as the domino that doesn't fall. Oh, okay. Basically that when the world is chaos around you, um, there's a chance for all of us to be the person who doesn't, carry all the stress to be non-anxious even when everybody else is anxious so that idea that the rest of the world whether they're drowning or whether they're carousing or whatever they're uh, dealing with that doesn't have to be yours you could be in the midst of that and not internalize it um and i've always found that to be a challenge like a, an invitation and a challenge that that could be who the people of god were on the world in the world um, and Noah, I think is maybe our first really good story of somebody who, who couldn't carry it the whole way, you know, but who was eventually kind of <laughs> knocked down by that pressure to be that person. But, um, certainly for the first part of that story, that's who he is in the world. And, and so I think we're going to find that that might be something we come back to in, in the old Testament. And in these Hebrew scriptures is that in some ways that's the invitation of the whole, uh, community of faith the whole hebrew community is called to be the non-anxious presence in the world that when you hear about wars when you hear about power battles when you hear about kings taking on kings that that's not yours um that you are god's people and that you have different rules you live by and so i i think that might be something we come back to 
in the same that we come back to our favorite, favorite cereals. Does that work? That works. All right. So we'll come back to that and we'll come back to our next candle. Yep. We'll <laughs> see you later on the breakfast translation. 